Today's Bible reading is uh, Jude, verses 1 to 4, and then 17 to 25. This can be found on page 1164 of the Church Bibles. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. To those who have been called, who are loved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace and love be yours in abundance. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that the Lord has once for all entrusted to us, his people. For certain individuals, whose condemnation was written about long ago, have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. But, dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, In the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy, mixed with fear, hating even the clothes stained by corrupted flesh. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Matthew's going to come and speak to us now. Um, I'm going to quickly pray for him before he does that. Father, I ask you to bless Matthew this morning. May, through the words of his mouth, may we hear your voice. May we meet with you through what he has to say to us this morning. Amen. Amen. Well, we welcome those who are listening again on the podcasts of these talks, um, especially as we're in holiday season. And um, several of our church family will be around the world um, and might be listening in from far fun places, including South Africa and, and others. So welcome to you uh, as well if you're listening again. There was a Christian priest um, that I've mentioned before called Henri Nouwen. Um, and I've mentioned him several times because he happens to be one of my favorite writers and I'll probably mention him a good few times um, to come. Um, but he came to fame, if you like, in, in Christian circles. He was um, a theologian at top um, U.S. universities like Harvard and so on, uh, where his books gained absolutely mass appeal. He was, if you like, a, a kind of Christian celebrity. But now and later on in his life, uh, left the high-flying world of academia to go and pastor the Larch community in Toronto, Canada. And for those of you who've never come across Larch communities, and they've spread throughout the world now, you might want to go and have a look later on, on the internet. Um, but they are communities that embrace and support people with physical and mental disabilities. And the story is told by Nowen of one Larch resident called Trevor, who was admitted to hospital. 
On we now and arranged to go and see Trevor, who had become a good friend of his. When hospital managers realised that the famous Henri Nouwen was coming to their hospital, they asked if he would meet with doctors and managers and clergy and all types of sort of eminent um, people, and Henri agrees. But when he gets to the hospital to see Trevor, there was a lunch laid on in his honour. And he walks into this, um, into this room where the lunch was taking place and casts his eye around the room and asks, where is Trevor? And he was told by the hospital authorities that, that patients and staff weren't allowed to mix, that it just wasn't possible for Trevor to come to the lunch. And Henri pr- protested. He, he said, you know, but the entire point of my visit is to come and see my friend Trevor and to find out how he was doing. So if Trevor can't come to lunch today, neither am I. Well, as you might imagine, very quickly a way was found uh, for the rule to be bent, and Trevor was able to come to lunch. Now, the great and good vied for Henri Nouwen's attention as Trevor sat um, next to Henry, who was engaged in conversation with someone sitting on his other side. No one noticed suddenly that Trevor was rising to his feet. And before they knew it, Trevor was starting to propose a toast. He stood up and he said, a toast. I will offer a toast. And as everyone in the room started to feel slightly awkward and wondered what was about to happen, Trevor started to sing, if you're happy and you know it, raise your glass. If you're happy and you know it, raise your glass. If you're happy and you know it, if you're happy and you know it, if you're happy and you know it, raise your glass. Apologies to people who have to listen to me sing on the podcast now. And Trevor was beaming radiantly while he was singing. He was there with his friend Henri Nouwen. And you see, to Trevor, unlike most of the other people with all their agendas and all their vying for Henri Nouwen's attention, Trevor was just there having lunch with his mates. You see, that's what Henri was to Trevor. He was just a friend, and they were having lunch together. But as Trevor kept on singing, if you're happy and you know it, raise your glass, suddenly Trevor's radiance and his inner joy burst out and spread around the room. And before you know it, hospital managers and and surgeons and consultants and the great and the good of the hospital started singing along. If you're happy and you know it, raise your glass. And all social awkwardness and conventions and etiquette and and all of that were laid aside for these moments where Trevor's joy at just having lunch with his friend spread like wildfire throughout the room. John, can you move me on to my first slide? Thank you. And this morning, we're continuing our series on little letters in the New Testament, and we find ourselves with the letter of Jude. Now, I tell the story of Trevor and Henri for good reason, because there are similarities between Jude's attitude to life and Trevor's. And we find the first clue in the first verse. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. You see, Jude identifies himself as James's brother. 
Now, we don't get to hear much of Jude in the New Testament. In fact, we, we are partly really given attention to him now in this series of talks because it's a little letter. It's only 25 verses long. It will take you less than five minutes to read the whole thing. However, James, Jude's brother, is a different story. Now, if you want to play along, we're going to go Bible hopping now. So I'm going to put these references up on screen. um, And if people could look them up. If you're not used to the Bible, um, I'll give you a tip. There's an index at the front. Um, So you look for the book of the Bible with that name and you find the chapter and verse. So if um, someone can find each of them. So let's just, you know, have Matthew over here spreading around to Acts, Corinthians and Galatians. So we get the whole coverage. Has anyone found Matthew yet? Hey, Vicky, shout it out for us. Yes, it is, yeah. Thank you, Vicky. So whilst Jesus was teaching in parables in Matthew's gospel, the synagogue crowd were amazed at Jesus, and they knew the crowd that James was his brother. Let's move on to Acts 12, 17. Who's got that? Uh, <laughs> anyone? Thanks, Gary. Thank you. And so King Herod had been throwing people, including Peter, into prison because they were identified as members of the early church. Peter's now escaped, thanks to God's intervention, uh, and and he's warning people, including James, who was well known to the Jerusalem church, um, about his imprisonment. 1 Corinthians 15.7. I know it's August now, but, you know, we've got to get out of holiday mode, ladies and gents. Anyone? Thank you, Debs. And so Paul is recounting here the events of Jesus' death and resurrection and specifically names James as one of the people who Jesus appeared to after he had risen from the dead. And finally, Galatians 1.19. Yes, Dan. Fantastic. Thank you, Dan. Following Paul's conversion and a missionary tour lasting three years, it's James and James alone who Paul meets on returning to Jerusalem. And there are many more references we could have looked at, friends, but the point is this, that James is a particularly prominent apostle in the New Testament and was well known to crowds and crowds of people in the early church. So let's go back to Jude and let's look again at verse 1. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. So Jude, this little-known Christian from the first century, tells us that he is James's brother. But he kind of needs um, to, or else we wouldn't have known much of what was going on, to, to benchmark against something we know. So we know James, so Jude identifies himself as, as, um, as, uh, so Jude identifies himself as J- James's brother. But here's the thing, and here's the significant thing. His relationship to James is not something that Jude trades on. 
His relationship to James is not something that Jude trades on. So just as in the story of Trevor, Trevor is a friend of the great Henri Nouwen, a prolific writer of books and well-known throughout academia. To Trevor, Henri is just a friend. And we see this too right at the start of Jude, who leads off not leveraging on his brother's prominence. And of course, the other thing we should say is that James and Jude were both brothers of Jesus. But by identifying himself as as a servant of Jesus himself. And the Greek word, for those who are interested in Greek... um, I can't get this to work now, there we are, is doulos. Um, And doulos is a particular word um, which has connotations of enslavement in other contexts, and we were looking at that in Philemon last week. But in this context, it means someone who is devoted to Christ and who in so doing lays aside his own interests so that he can follow Jesus. So Jude is primarily identifying himself as someone who seeks to follow Christ. And in and going back to Trevor, in a room full of doctors, managers, and others, Trevor gets up without consideration of self-interest or the perception of others and sings, if you're happy and you know it, raise your glass. Now, you might feel we're not getting very far out of the starting blocks this morning, but I want to stick with verse 1 for now because the second half of this first verse is equally significant. It says this, to those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ. Now, you know, these are transformational words, and I hope to share with you why this morning. These words are transformational because they give rise to three really important questions that shape the Christian character that we saw in Trevor in that lunch, and we see in Jude in identifying himself as Jesus' servant. And the character that I hope some of us might long to embody in our own lives. So the questions it gives rise to are these. Who am I? You know, what is my identity? How do I survive? And what is the meaning of it all? And these questions are all to do with centering our life, just like Trevor, just like Jude, on Jesus Christ. So firstly, identity. Jude tells us that we are a people who are loved by God. This is perhaps particularly uh, relevant today as we baptize Olivia and Sienna, and they take on a new identity as Christian people through their baptism. Who am I? Who are we? We are the people who are loved by God. He created us to be his. And in the words of St. Augustine, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Our value, our worth, our self-esteem, what makes you, you, is determined by the reality that God loves you. And identity problems and doubt and a lack of self-worth all come from letting our identity be shaped and influenced by things other than God's love. God's love is a transforming influence in our lives. And this is one of the core messages of Jude. And if you want to read the whole thing, it will only take you a few minutes. Um, But this is one of Jude's core messages, to protect Christians early in their relationship with God from being influenced by false teachers. So the second thing, that question about um, survival. You know, I used to be um, a bank manager before I um, became a vicar. 
and I remember, it was a, pretty much a sales job, and I remember the quarters um, when my targets were falling short of where they needed to be. And, and very soon, you know, you begin to lose sleep if you were that far behind, because in a sales job, your, your livelihood is dependent on your ability to sell, and if you're not, you're going to feel it pretty quickly. And so my entire self-worth at work was, was tied up with performance. Um, it was tied up with meeting and exceeding these targets. And if I wasn't, then I started, I started to get anxious and concerned about my future. But for the Christian, survival is not about what we do, but what Christ has already done. This shouldn't be an incentive for idleness. We shouldn't think, well, God has done it all and will do it all, and, and that's great, so we can just sit here and, and, and be encouraged by that. It's not a recipe or an incentive for idleness, but it should help us to shape our life, not by positions or performance or accomplishments or even success, but by being in relationship with Christ. And thirdly, meaning. What's it all about? Jude writes to those who are called. This principally is where we see God's grace flowing through the words of Jude, bringing transformation and freedom to us. We are called as a people. We have not achieved, we have not earned God's grace or love on our own merits. We have been called and invited by him. Our purpose in life is to be a child of God, to live for God, to use the gifts and the skills that he has placed within us to serve his purposes in this world. And by doing this, we not only let the flow of grace um, come to ourselves, but we point others to the depth and freedom of resurrection life that allows us to experience this grace for themselves. So let's just finish um, with a brief prayer. And then I'm going to read those last few verses because I, I majored on, well, I stuck with the first verse all the way through there, but I'm going to read you after I pray these last few verses again because that's a prayer of blessing. Father God, thank you that we can gather here this morning as your people in this place. Help us to increasingly center our lives around the love of your Son shown to us through his death and resurrection. Help us to enter into that life of freedom and purpose that he calls us to. And help us to focus all our attention on being a people called and sustained whose identity is found in your Son. And now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Saviour be glory, majesty, power and authority throughout, through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.